Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I want to invite you to grab your Bible, meet me in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 5. And today we're going to look at the defining moment in David's life. He had many special moments, but this is truly the defining moment in his life. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come bringing wisdom and revelation of your word so that we can know Jesus better and that we can see his plan for our lives here in the scriptures. Now, I thank you, Father, that you are positioning your people for them to experience their defining moment as well. We give you praise in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen. When we go into verse 1, here in chapter 5, we're going to go back in time about 3,000 years. We're traveling back, but even today when you read the story, it's still so vibrant. Who doesn't like a good adventure, right? Well, let's take a look. Verse 1, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to David, excuse me, came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So the kingdom was combined under David and a 40-year reign complete. Now, you have to understand, even when he was in Hebron, he began to get quite a gathering of soldiers and got some of the best. You had people all over the nation defecting from Saul's army, Saul's kingdom. And we had seen earlier uh, in previous chapters that Saul's kingdom was getting weaker and weaker, and David's kingdom was getting stronger and stronger. And David got to the point where even when he was king in Hebron, he already had a he had at least over 200,000 armed soldiers with him. So there was a lot of momentum there. Mm-mm. But he's still not the unified king. And so something very significant is going to now take place. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. Now Jerusalem is a very old city. And uh, it had been built by the original Canaanites and a uh, division of the Canaanites. You had many Canaanites, uh, but you had the Jebusites. And the city was also previously known as Jebus. And this was a city that was a stronghold. It was the type of place that you would look up at and you would think, wow, what an absolutely magnificent fortified structure. And I'm sure David was thinking, you know what? That would make the ultimate headquarters for my kingdom. There's a problem. Nobody has ever been able to conquer it. 
Now, the good thing about it is that because of its position and its walls and its positioning and, you know, a valley on, uh, on, in various places, making it, just making it almost impenetrable, uh, the good thing about that is that whoever has it, uh, you're going to... Uh, you're going to have to have a really bad day in order to lose it because as long as you have food and provision, you're good to go. You've got the Gihon Spring uh, bringing water in uh, underground. Uh, so uh, it's a tremendous stronghold. So if you can just have it, you, you can maintain it, and it's yours for a long, long time. But God had told the people, when you go into the land of Canaan, he told his people, take the land, and each tribe had a designated area that they were supposed to conquer. Now, we see this uh, primarily through the leadership of Joshua. And Joshua goes in, and Joshua begins to take his territory. Some of the other tribes begin to take some of their territory, but no tribe completely took all of their territory. And this area of Jerusalem could not be conquered in the days of Joshua. Now, it could have been if they would have trusted the Lord, but, you know, there was a lot of excuse making. They would sometimes say that, well, the enemy has iron chariots, or the enemy has more numbers than we do, and on and on it went. But the fact of the matter is that nobody was able to conquer Jerusalem until David came on the scene. Mm -mm. It's amazing with David and it's really true what the Lord said when speaking to the prophet Samuel. Because Samuel, when he went to anoint the next king of Israel there at the house of Jesse, he saw the firstborn son and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. In other words, he's got to be the one because he, he had the kingly look. But the Lord said, no, I've already passed him by. He's not the one. And the Lord said, I look on the heart whereas men look on the outward, the exterior. So you can go to uh, an automobile lot or just go out to, uh, you know, any type of shopping center or a mall. Look at all the cars parked out there. But you can't really tell what that car can do unless you lift the hood up and you examine the engine. Uh, you don't know if it's a Tesla uh, plaid with, you know, the, uh, the real high levels of horsepower. You don't know if it's something that uh, you know, has a very powerful 800 horsepower engine. Now, sometimes you can't hide that in a sense where, you know, you've got to configure that in a certain way, but sometimes you can't tell. They all look, they all look like cars. Well, sometimes you can just look at people and they all, they all look like people, but it's what's beneath the hood. And that's what God sees your, your desire, your hunger, your willingness to surrender your life, all of those things put together. That's what causes a separation. And David was a very special person, completely sold out to God. He wasn't perfect. He had his, he had his uh, struggles in certain areas, just like every human does. Nobody is perfect, of course, except for Jesus. And, uh, but David, he was a man after God's heart. And he, uh, he was the perfect man for God's assignment. I tell you, God knows how to pick them. Sometimes we think, Lord, I can't believe you chose that person. But God knows exactly what he's doing. And his hand was on his man. And David had this conquering anointing. He was not afraid of these crazy situations that he would run up against. And a lot of people would try to 
cast David in a role where his high water mark was killing Goliath and taking off the head of the giant. And that was an attention getter. And who hasn't heard about that story? But that was clearly in scripture, not his defining moment. Um, all of those things do build towards what maybe we could call the epic scene or that big moment. But killing Goliath, as, as tremendous as that was, as unexpected as it was for him to do that with everybody watching, that still was not the thing that really put him on the map and established him. Mm-mm. You're going to see what it was here in just a few minutes. Praise God. But my friends, we're going to, we're going to look at how David pulled this off. Glory to God, because the Lord's going to help you pull some things off too. And uh, as you'll have many victories and many conquests, just as David did, yet out of all of them, there's, there's always one where when that happens, uh, it's never the same again. You're like, uh, you're just like rolling. I mean, it, it's incredible what the Lord can do once you break through and that, mo- that momentum is there. That's what's going to happen to David. Verse 6, and the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking, David cannot come in here. (laughs) They did not know who they're dealing with. They've never dealt with anybody like David before. And uh, David is a very wise man. He's already king over Hebron, okay, uh, and he's ruling over the southern area of Judah. Uh, and you have defectors coming from all over the co- the country joining up with him. Because when I say defecting, they're actually defecting from a system that God has already written off. And you have many that are beginning to realize that, and they're going to David because they're realizing that David is God's man. Praise the Lord, but. Uh, David is coming up against this, and he's he's hungry. He, uh, I'm, I'm talking about he wants to do the work of the Lord, and he wants to finish what Joshua never did, and he's going to do it. Mm-mm. You know, somebody's got to break through eventually. Somebody has got to have this uh, more than just a dream, or you're going to have to go out and fulfill that dream. Somebody has to have more than just a vision, because you can have the vision but it's still, you know, and you could see yourself doing it, but you're still going to have to go out there and get it done. So there is a place where we, of course, rejoice in dreams and visions. They're biblical. We, we believe in that. But something's wrong when you keep camping on the vision or camping on the dream. And years and years and years and years go by and nothing has changed. Well, my friends, get ready to take your Jerusalem. Mm-mm. Praise God. And so they have insulted David, which is something that you never do. Uh, uh, when you're in sports, if you're going up against a champion and you know that's a champion, the last thing you want to do is insult them and think that's going to like somehow mess with their mind. Well, the only thing it's going to do as far as maybe messing with their mind, if you want to play psychological games, it's, it's, it's going to irritate them, and it's going to make them even uh, have a greater tenacity and desire to make sure that they're going to win now, especially at all cost. <laughs> so, <laughs> so David is all in on this, 
and he's going to get the city. And they said, uh, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. And uh, it became known as the city of David. Now, think about this, and this, this might be something that you want to meditate more on uh, this week. David took the city, and so guess what? He gets to name it. Well, that, that, that doesn't seem fair, Pastor Stephen. Yes, yeah, totally fair. If, if you're the one that's willing to do this wild thing because you know God's with you and you succeed, then you're the one that has a liberty and freedom now to do something very, uh, very special. You get to name the whole city after yourself. Now, we know there is the name Jerusalem that comes in, and David's, the city of David becomes known as a specialized area of Jerusalem. Even today, when you go to Jerusalem, you see uh, out, as you go out of the Dung Gate, you see the area that's known as the city of David. That's the ancient area. But uh, yes, he got to name it, and you're going to be able to name something as well as a memorial unto the Lord. Praise God. Mm -mm. Verse 8, let's jump into it and find out how we did it. And I believe that as we look at some of these uh, attributes of David, I believe as you uh, release these in your own life, I believe you'll see yourself also having your defining moment. Verse 8, now David said on that day, whoever, okay, this is not this is not compulsory. This is not David saying, hey, you, you, and you, go do this. No, because uh, uh, an average guy would say, um, hey, you know, this is really crazy. This is like suicidal. <laughs> uh, this had, there's a million ways of how this could go wrong. But uh, this is a volunteer basis. Mm-mm. Whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. What is this? This is an opportunity. Maybe we should be a little more honest. This is a very risky opportunity. I like the words, the wisdom of the late Benson Idahosa, who said, it's risky to not take risk. I mean, if you're going to go your whole life and you're never going to take a risk, that you're going to have a very normal life, but you're not going to have anything uh, special in the sense where you you know you get to name your own city or something like that. Even today, that part of Jerusalem is still called the city of David, and it's probably the hot spot for archaeological excavation in the land of Israel today. Praise the Lord. So, what do we need to do first to take our city? Same thing David did. You're going to need wisdom, and you're going to have to step back, and you're going to have to look at the overall picture, and you're going to have to admit certain facts, but you're going to also have to lean not on the facts, but lean on the wisdom of God, because everybody else looked at the fortress. They knew it was a massive stronghold, and many probably just said, it's not possible. We can't take this. Nobody can. David said, I acknowledge all of that as being something that we have to deal with, which, by the way, is why I want it for those very reasons. (laughs) But the wisdom of God always has a way 
forward. Praise the Lord. I want to say that again. The wisdom of God always has a way forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The wisdom of God directs you into that way. Now, in our own mental ability, we may think, well, I don't, I don't see any doors. I don't see any ladders. We could sneak up on them. I don't really, we don't have, um, we don't really have anything that I'm aware of, but as you think, okay, as you pray and think, so your secret place is not just for prayer. It's also for thinking as you pray and think the mind of Christ, whichever believer has that, that mind of Christ touches your mind with the same anointing and gives you higher thoughts, the God type of thoughts. And there's a way, there's a way. And so David realized, ah, that spring, the Gahon spring, that is the water source. And while it's going to go underground and it's uh, subterranean for a while and it's coming up on the inside, that is the way. Now, uh, is it risky? Yes, extremely risky. But is that doable? Yes. So you're going to have to take your your city. You're going to, whatever this thing is. Of course, uh, I don't think I'm really speaking to anybody that wants to take a city, unless maybe you want to be the mayor of a city or or you know, in a city official or something like that, elected to an official office. But I'm talking about taking that specific promise that pertains to your destiny. You're going to have to get the wisdom of God because I want to tell you today with absolute sincerity and truth that in my life and ministry, I have discovered that there is always a way with God. There's always a way. You may think there is no way. No, God has wisdom for you to take the next step. And for David, he reveals it. Whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft. Well, that means you've got to go through the underground water. And uh, then you're going to eventually, if you keep on going, you're going to find a shaft that goes straight up. And there's not a ladder in there. You're going to have to climb up that. Uh, but but that is a possibility. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't like the option. That's You may only have one. You may only, you may only have one wisdom option. But when God provides the wisdom option, that's all you need. By the way, some of you need some adventure in your life. <laughs> Maybe you need to climb up a water shaft and uh, have a little excitement. Maybe things have been a little bit boring lately with all of the lockdowns and stuff like that. Glory to God. Well, when you walk with the Lord, you'll never have a, another dull day in your life. Glory to God. The walk of faith is very exciting. It's very, very liberating. Praise the Lord. Okay, so uh, this this ability for David to take this magnificent uh, fortress also is providing uh, the potential for uh, increase for others. So whoever is going to do it under David's uh, under David's command, who's ever. Uh, uh, under how can we say under David's direction? Whoever is going to do it is going to be the leader of the military, Mm-mm. and you know who already is chomping at the bit at that. Uh, there's really no, uh, uh, there's no battle over who's going to do this. You know it's going to be Joab, and he does because he's um, 
very rough around the edges. <laughs> but wow, what a warrior. A uh, little bit dishonest. Yeah, uh, bends the rules and kind of steps out of bounds sometimes. Oh, absolutely. That's Joab to a T. But aggressive? Oh, yes. Yeah. Warrior? Yeah. Okay, so you're going to need somebody uh, that is walking in wisdom. Okay, this is all part of these attributes that David and these guys have. And David's done enough. Okay, so he's going to get this city, but he's working with this guy. So he's already shown them how it's going to be done. So it's now their turn to rise and to step into a place of promotion. So Joab's like, I'm in all the way. So number two, number one is wisdom. Number two, you're going to have to be fearless. It takes courage. And I'm not saying that you don't feel it. Uh, you, you may feel it like bouncing all around you. like, And you may, you may hear the taunting of the enemy, just like the Jebusites had taunted and said, there's no way. We've been here for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, nobody could take, out, take us out. Not even your best. Not even Joshua could take us out. But you know what? It's a new era. It is the end time golden age of the church. It is the hour of exploits for God's people. And things are different now. Mm -mm. But even still, it's going to take a fearless courage that says, I'll go. I'll go. Praise God. Because again, there are so many things that can go wrong with this venture. Number one, there's no flashlights. <laughs> so you're doing this in the dark and you can't turn a flashlight on because they haven't been invented yet. Well, Pastor Stephen, they can just, uh, they can just light a torch. Well, that could create a problem. What if they light the torch too soon and that's visible? Now they've alerted everybody on the wall of what's going on. Or what if they light the torches while they're in the subterranean passageway, walking through the water, having enough room to breathe air also at the same time. What if they light it? But now, now, you know, what if the water level starts rising? Now they don't have enough oxygen. Now they can't breathe. What if they drown? What if the smoke starts going up through the, uh, you know, the passageway where the water shaft is at and they see, you know, the enemy sees smoke. So there's all kinds of stuff that can go wrong. And I've seen videos of these underground, uh, subterranean passageways where the water flows. There's snakes all over the place, poisonous snakes. Almost all of them are, are poisonous. And they're, they're in the rocks, you know, in the, down there in the dark, just, you know, hanging out. What if somebody steps on a snake or gets bit? What if you're climbing up the shaftway and you, somebody slips? What if, what if a rock falls and it's real loud? What if you make some noise or somebody drops a spear and makes a bunch of noise? Mm-mm. My friends, you're just going to have to be fearless because this, this is the one plan. This is the wisdom of God revealed. Okay. So you're going to, that is the direction you go in. That is the direction you go. So you need the wisdom of God. Then you need courage mm -mm. and you get courage from the word of God. It builds strength within you. Praise the Lord. And that fearlessness, you just go. Yes. You're aware of all of these factors of what you're up against, but you just move. There is something about fear. I have seen fear before. A spirit, remember, fear is a spirit. It's not some kind of intangible something where suddenly somebody gets afraid. There's a reason people get afraid. Fear is a spirit. And I have seen people totally freeze at times through a spirit of fear where they can't even get a single word out of their mouth. I've seen people lock up 
literally and freeze out of fear. But my friends, this hour in which we live calls it calls for courage. Have strength in the Lord. Have strength in the power of His might. Not tell you what God will move you forward. Mm-mm. Just keep going. Just think about these guys. Think think about what these men are doing. Praise God and just keep going. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, therefore, they say the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Verse nine. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David, and built. And David built all around from the Milo and inward. So they took it. They took it. Now, this is very interesting because you have wisdom, and then you're going to have courage to do this wild thing. But here's the bottom line. Uh, You're going to need the Holy Spirit. And all of Israel's victories, all of their conquest, they all have a spiritual root in God, in the Holy Spirit. And that's how they're doing stuff like this. You know, I was reading earlier about Jonathan. See, Jonathan and David were extremely close friends. They had a very special covenant relationship because they could understand each other. Uh, David, yes, the giant killer. David, this young guy uh, on the scene uh, doing unusual things. But you have to remember, Jonathan had some, uh, he had some dramatic experiences in his life as well. Remember the time that uh, in all of the land of Israel, only two people that were Israelites had swords, King Saul and Jonathan, because the Philistines had, uh, uh, they had taken all of the weapons away and they had removed all of the ability to do blacksmith type work out of Israel. So any Israeli that wanted to sharpen uh, their plow or anything that they were working with for agricultural purposes, they had to go to the Philistine blacksmith and pay a fee for that guy to just sharpen up their agricultural commitment, sharpen your shovel or your hoe or whatever it might be. But nobody, nobody, no, no soldier, nobody had a sword except only two people, Saul and his son, Jonathan. But uh, one day, Jonathan, he left the camp without telling anybody, and he took his armor bearer with him and said, now look, the Philistines are over here, and uh, there's a divide between us and them, so we're going to cross over the divide, and we're going to go up the side of this cliff wall, and we're going to pop up. And if they say, we're going to come to you, then he said, we're not going to do anything. We'll back off. But if they say, come on up and engage us, then we're going up. And well, uh, Jonathan, think, think of how this must have looked. He, he climbs up and he peeks his head up and he, uh, he looks at the Philist- Philistines and they see him and they say, oh, oh, so the Israelites are now starting to crawl out of the holes they've been hiding in. And they say, they say to him, come over here. We'll teach you a few things. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, that's the sign. God's with us. Let's go. But see, here's the thing. You have the wisdom, you have, you have the, the plan of God, and now you have the courage, the fearlessness to do it. And Jonathan pops up and starts running. He's the only one with the sword. His armor bearer is behind him and has no, no sword, not even a little, you know, Swiss army knife, nothing. <laughs> so you, you think about the reality of what they're doing at times. There's only one way you can do this, and that's with the Holy Spirit. 
And Jonathan just charges into them, one guy with the sword, a king's son of all people, and he starts winning. The first guy falls in, in front of him, and that guy goes down. And so when he goes down, uh, the armor bearer, Jonathan's armor bearer, starts killing them. So he's now able to grab a sword from the first fallen soldier, and then he takes that and starts killing them as Jonathan is just going through and maiming people and you know chopping off probably hands and arms and stuff like that, uh, killing some. But anybody that didn't kill the wasn't killed immediately his armor bearer is making sure they're killed and jonathan killed 20 men all by himself oh well that's easy pastor Stephen. you just go out there and you know you have some special training you just go out there and start killing them no it doesn't work like that i think i think some christians they've watched too many movies uh all the stuff in martial arts all of that of course is fake it's all choreographed it doesn't work like that in real life there are situations where you can have some individuals that are extremely highly trained but there is nobody who is trained in a sense where they're going to stop 100 guys okay you're getting into hollywood now if you think that's true it can't happen because it's just not humanly possible so for jonathan just to go up there and just start killing all of these philistines and then when he was doing that, God was moving. God began to move so strong that uh, it started creating a tremendous noise. And the, the earth started shaking. So his act of faith, his belief, literally triggered an earthquake. And back at the home base, Saul said, what in the world is going on? We're hearing all this pandemonium over with the Philistines. Yeah, there had, there had been the initial strike force by Jonathan and his armor bearer. And then the whole thing turned into uh, a spirit of chaos and confusion where the Philistines are now, they're killing each other. They're fighting each other. It's such a crazed confusion. Wow. Well, Saul jumps in quickly and starts doing his part with his men to uh, defeat the Philistines and drive them back. But uh, this takes, my friends, the spirit of God. This is something David has already learned this is something that David has been imparting to his men, and he's got his best guys with him. He says, all right, now, who's going to volunteer for this? He's got his very best ones, and he's like, okay, this is the plan. You know what to do. It's going to take wisdom. We've got that. It's going to take courage. I know you guys are not liking in that because they're ready to go. They're ready to go. But when it's all said and done, look, when you pop up out of that water shaft, this is going to take God. It's going to take God so that we don't drop anything and wake them all up. This whole thing is going to take the Spirit of God to pull it off. So you have to get the wisdom plan, and then you have to be fearless, and you have to execute it. And as you're executing it, boom, here comes, here comes what we can't do without, but will always come on the scene, God. God comes on the scene. And every, every great victory is attributed to the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, really, when we look closer, what are we looking at? We're looking at power. God's got more power. And when God's with you and the Holy Spirit comes, there's now power on the scene. Mm -hmm. So I tell you what, Joab and his guys, they came up out of that water shaft and uh, burst out of that area, uh, swords fly. And they took that city so fast it made the king's head spin. Woo! And the next thing you know, David said, fellas, you did it. Joab, that position of top general is yours. And today, the city that he took is still known as the city of David. You, t you take it, you get to name it. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Mm -mm. To the winner, to the victor go the spoils. And my friends, God is, 
with you to rise up and to move forward. So get the wisdom plan. That is critical. And David saw it. There's always a way. There's always a way forward. But then don't just sit on the plan because that plan may not, uh, if you don't move on it, you know, the, they may say, you know what, back up in the castle, they, the king might say, hmm, you know what, I think we're vulnerable with that spring. You know, it could be that somebody's going to crawl up that spring and then crawl up the water shaft. I'll tell you what, we, we better seal that off, put a big old iron grate, uh, grated uh, type device over that. Nope. You got to move. When you get the wisdom plan, then you move. And then you execute it with fearlessness and great courage. And then as you do, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. Praise God. Now, watch this. Watch this. Verse 9, Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the Milo and inward. And you, you get to see that when you go to Jerusalem to the city of David, how much he built up and all the fortifications and so forth. Verse 10, here we go. So David went on and became great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. This was his defining moment. This was the moment when he took Jerusalem and that city is now his. And this is going to be the city where God puts his name. This is going to be the city on Mount Moriah. This is going to, excuse me, that's going to be the area where the future uh, temple that uh, his son Solomon is going to build. Later, that will be, uh, Zerubbabel will rebuild and then Herod uh, will come and expand that temple mount. That will be the temple that Jesus comes into. My friends, this was the turning point for David's life. And from that moment on, the trajectory was like a stock just that was hot that everybody wanted to buy. His stock was up, 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 up. Glory to God. So David went on and became great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. That was his defining moment, taking Jerusalem. Not so much with Goliath, that was epic. But this is the one that just was like, man, he took the impossible. He actually did it. Yeah, he did it all right. And then just people began to uh, swarm to him. And it, it was just right after this, there's complete unification of the kingdom where, where all, all of the elders from the various tribes, they all say, David, you're the one to lead us. Mm-mm. Because this, my friends, this was the defining moment. When, the, when, it, when everybody in Israel heard this, that he had taken it, they're just like, what can this guy not do? Woo, praise the Lord. Now, it was his destiny to take Jerusalem, to take that city. So David went on and became great. Now, there are breakthrough moments in your life. When you are climbing up the water shaft, don't stop. Keep praising. Keep worshiping the Lord. And just uh, trust the Lord and keep on going until you have fully taken that promise. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit's power will be there for you. Glory to God. Sometimes it doesn't always happen as fast as it did for these guys where in one night they had accomplished it. But I believe there was a lot leading up to it, a lot of thinking, a lot of planning. And then when the moment came, whoosh, they walked it out very, very quickly in a surprise night attack. Glory, glory to God. I believe that you can do what God has called you to do. 
And the Lord knows it's possible with his help. So just follow those basic uh, principles. Work with God with his wisdom. When you see the plan forward, then take courage. Hallelujah. Be fearless and go and do it. Is it risky? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? God's with you. God's in it. And that's what brings that deep abiding comfort, even when you're climbing up the water shaft, okay? And then realize as you're doing this, God's power will come on the scene. Uh, That was interesting also with Joshua. You know, he pops up over the hill, starts running towards the Philistines. You have like an army, and here's just one guy running towards them. And there must have been a moment when the Spirit came on him, and he starts just killing them, starts doing his thing. There was a moment when they came up that shaft with the Holy Spirit protecting them, making sure that everything went according to plan. When they popped out, now it's here we go. We we better kill them or they're going to take us out. So they just start moving very quickly and so that they get the city secured. Well, that was the moment. They absolutely needed the Holy Spirit's help to not only walk the plan out, but execute it completely and precisely. I see your mission as being a precisely carried out, well-oiled, well thought out, watch this, well prayed out, executed plan. Mm, mm, mm. And like David, you'll have various victories. And David went on to many other uh, wonderful victories, but this was the one. This was the one he knew God's with me. Things are different now. I'm not going backwards anymore. This thing has turned in my life. It's just, it's just too epic. It's too big. So David went on and became great. Woo, praise God. I'm telling you what, uh, the future potential for what lies in front of you in Christ through his great enabling power, through the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, there is greatness on the horizon for many of you that are ready to step forward and be like David. Be like David, praise God. Now we are not all called to conquer a city. <laughs> We're not all called to be warriors and swing uh, spears and uh, shoot bows and arrows and things like that. But you've got, in your own prophetic way, you've got a Jerusalem to conquer. You've got something to take down that nobody ever has done in your family lineage. You've got something to break through into that maybe none of your friends have ever done. Maybe the very thought of it, they would laugh at and ridicule. Oh, there's plenty of mockers on the wall of the fortress. But my friends, just go ahead and follow God's plan for your life and use wisdom, use courage, and be very reliant upon the Holy Spirit and the mighty power of God. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that they not be intimidated by the impregnable fortress that would seem to stand in front of them as something that would be out of reach or impossible to attain. But Father God, the thing that you've called them into, you will show them the way to take it through your wisdom. I ask that you would uh, just cause special grace to come upon your people to have that courage, the courage to step out and, and not just to continue to talk about a dream or a past vision, but the courage to actually step out and do it. I thank you, Father God. And also, I thank you for your Spirit's power. Oh, God, coming in new measures and new ways 
Thank you, Father. Bless your people. Bless your people. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He loves you. He's waiting right now to receive you and to take care of any challenge you may face, to most importantly, to deal with the sin problem in your life and to give you the life that you've always dreamed of. Now, it begins by repenting and turning from sin and asking Jesus to come into your heart and giving your life to Him. If you would like to do that, pray this prayer right now. Pray it after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross at Calvary. And on the third day, you rose again. Jesus, I believe you paid through your sacrifice at Calvary. I believe you paid for the penalty of my sins. So Jesus, I turn from sin and I turn to you. I give my life to you. Jesus, save me now. Wash all of my sins away and write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing this prayer and for accepting me and receiving me now. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Praise God. And the Lord has heard that prayer, and you belong to him now. And that means there's a lot of victory ahead of you because you're in him. He is the great conquering king, praise God. And he conquers our hearts with his love, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's take Holy Communion. Grab some uh, unleavened bread. If you don't have these little unleavened uh, wafers, you can use a, a cracker, a little saltine cracker or something like that. And I've got grape juice here in my cup. Uh, if you don't have some grape juice, just uh, grab what you can, and the Lord will honor that until you can get your grape juice. Praise God. All right, let's pray as we're going to all take communion together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it through this prayer. We set it apart as holy. And we thank you that this is now the flesh of the Lord Jesus and his precious blood. Father, as we receive the body of the Lord Jesus, we receive wisdom. We thank you, Father God, that this is the wisdom book right here. Let us be uh, constantly in the book of wisdom, getting the guidance and direction that we need for the challenges that we face in life. And Father, we just thank you also for courage, courage coming into our hearts through the strength of your word. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for the body of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive his flesh now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sins, we ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would cleanse us from any unrighteousness. And Father, we forgive anybody, anyone who has sinned against us. We forgive them. We bless them. Hallelujah. And we go on with you. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we just thank you that as we receive the blood of Jesus, we embrace the unique individual destinies and callings that you have for all of us. You, you have a corporate plan for our lives or a unified plan for us as the church, but you also have uniquely tailored plans for all of your children. And we are responsible for 
accomplishing these various assignments that we have in life, primarily the key core assignment that you have given to us. So, Father, we just thank you. Just as David took Jerusalem, we thank you that somebody finally took it. Your man took it. He had something special underneath the hood. He had a heart for you. So, Father, we thank you that we choose to have a heart completely yielded to you. Oh, God, we give you praise on the outside. We may not appear to be anything special, but on the inside, we are 100% sold out for you. No holds barred, completely following you with 100% effort, intentions, and love and desire. So, Father, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus, and we thank you, O God, for the Spirit's power moving in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sit down with the Lord. Talk with Him about your Jerusalem that you're supposed to take. Pray about it. Get His, get his wisdom and begin to implement that. Praise the Lord. Before I say goodbye, let, uh, let me remind you that we are working towards the Hangar Project, and we have a special uh, deadline of November 25th, which, uh, which is on a Thursday. That's, of course, Thanksgiving. And we want to get our best seed in, our best love offering in, because this is a Thanksgiving offering, and it will go towards the Hangar Project. As we have the opportunity right now for the ministry, the purchase, the perfect hangar that will store the future mission jet for the ministry. This will allow us to travel around the world and preach the gospel quickly, efficiently, and in person, and to do it very strategically. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the goal is $400,000. I would like to ask you, sow your best seed. Ask the Lord what he would have you do as by... Thanksgiving, we want to have this provision in, these funds in, so that we can go up and acquire this beautiful hangar for the ministry usage. Praise God. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your support. And this, again, is set apart as a Thanksgiving offering. I am praying over every offering that comes in, and you can bring it in at any time between now and Thanksgiving if you want to bring it in on Thanksgiving Day, that is fine as well. And I'm praying and believing that God will touch your offering with a very special multiplication anointing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, God sees your future as being very bright. I really do believe there is greatness ahead for you in that area that pertains to your special assignment that God wants you to accomplish. So thank you for being a part of this project. If you would like to sow into it, you can go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage, has a red heart that says give. You can click that and you'll see the hangar project. Praise God. And I'll keep you posted uh, on the progress of this project because the Lord is moving. Thank you so much. And I'll see you back next time. God bless you. Go take your Jerusalem. Bye-bye. Thank you.